What's up, you guys? Welcome to our podcast. This is the Dickinson Channel. My name's Sarah J. I'm Marissa. I'm H.J. And I'm Erica. And we're talking to you today about two famous poems by the Emily Dickinson. The two poems we're talking about are Success is Counted Sweetest and Water is Taught by Thirst, which all ties into the positive outlook on life. First off, we're going to introduce Emily a little bit and give you guys some background information. She was born in Amherst, Massachusetts on December 10th, 1830. Did you guys know that she was never famous throughout her lifetime? She didn't even get recognition for her poems until after her death. No way. I actually heard about that too. I was so surprised because she's such a well-known poet today. I also read that her sister found over 1,800 poems after her death. She never even got the recognition she has now until after her death. Her first poem wasn't published until 1890 while her death was in 1886. She had 10 of her poems published within her lifetime in her local newspaper, but they were never signed. In her early years, she preferred to be isolated. Her mental health was fragile and continued this way throughout her life. This influenced many of the poems we know today. In Dickinson's later years, she died of kidney disease in Amherst, Massachusetts on May 15th. 1886 at the age of 55 which is actually really young she was laid to rest in her family grave at west cemetery and the house where dickinson was born is now a museum which is pretty cool so who do you think influenced these poems well according to poets.org her younger sister lavinia lived in isolation her whole life similar to emily who is recognized as not only a sibling but intellectual companion not to mention that Dickinson's poetry was heavily influenced by the metaphysical poets of the 17th century in England, and also by her Orthodox Christian background. Yeah, I read that the Bible was her textual inspiration for, like, almost all of her poems. Yeah. Which explains why many of her poems serve a purpose to convey an inspiring message to her readers, one of which is called Success is Counted Sweetest. After first glancing at that title, Success is Counted Sweetest, I thought it would be about all the hard work and determination that contributes to the success of an individual. Yeah, but after fully reading the poem, it goes so much more in depth than expected. This poem starts out with the lines, Success is Counted Sweetest, by those who near succeed. <coughs> to comprehend a nectar requires sorest need. So what she's trying to say is that in order to achieve success, people need to understand how it feels to not succeed. One must know how it feels to fail to, fail to fully understand success. For example, the first two lines read, success is counted sweetest by those who near succeed. Basically just saying that success is most appreciated by the ones who nearly succeeded, but didn't. It describes this strange fact that you have to be denied something before you can truly appreciate it. A great example of this is Albert Einstein. Did you guys know that Einstein didn't start reading until he was eight years old? His family and teachers had suspicions that he was mentally handicapped. Little did everyone know that he would later change the entire world's perspective of physics. Not to mention he won a Nobel Prize. Crazy how things work out. Yeah, well, anyway, continuing the poem, she then says, Not one of all the purple hosts who took the flag today can tell the definition so clear of victory. This portion of the poem talks about soldiers who have won war but still don't understand what it feels like to succeed. In spite of technically having a victory, the winning soldiers can't experience real success because they don't know the feeling of failure. So for example, she says that none of the soldiers who took the flag can tell the definition of victory because they haven't felt loss. And then she adds, as he defeated dying on whose forbidden ear, the distant strains of triumph burst agonized and clear. This third stanza shows a dying warrior on the losing side who can hear the winning soldier celebrating. The speaker uses someone who has failed yet fully understands what it feels like to win. 
Dickinson emphasizes how a fallen soldier understands and appreciates the value of success way more than the victorious soldier did. Yeah, she's trying to give an image of a dying soldier who can hear the opposing soldiers cheering from their victory. Hearing them triumph makes him want it even more, and when he does succeed in the future, it will mean more to him than the other soldiers. What I found interesting was that the poem uses third-person point of view, which makes the tone sound very impersonal. Yeah, the speaker is interpreting what she sees, but doesn't want to show too much compassion. In summary, failure is just motivation to succeed. The poem Water is Taught by Thirst by Dickinson has a similar overall message as Success is Counted Sweetest. Again, when I first read the title of this poem, I thought it was literal. I mean, I literally imagined someone being thirsty, but after reading the poem, I realized it's a metaphor for a way deeper meaning, which we'll get to after. Water is Taught by Thirst by Emily Dickinson. Water is taught by thirst, land by the ocean's past, transport by throw, peace by its battles told, love by <clears throat> memorial mold, birds by the snow. The theme of this poem is centralized around the idea that we are taught what something is by the lack of that something, meaning it's hard to realize what you have until it's not there anymore. Exactly. For example, in the first line, she says that water is taught by thirst, meaning that you don't understand how important water is until you're thirsty. Then she just keeps listing off things you don't miss until they're absent. Yeah, in the first five lines, she mentions everything that are like key parts of life that we overlook. Water, land, happiness, sadness, peace, war, love, and loss are all commonplace things in life that everyone experiences. So she's trying to send a message to remind people to be grateful for all of these things and not just wait until they are gone to appreciate them. Or maybe you realize what you had, but you just never thought that you would lose it. Exactly. People's main issue is that they're constantly wanting something more or something new, but sometimes the most valuable things are what have been with us the entire time. This is such a similar message to success is counted sweetest. Yeah, they're both trying to make the point of not taking things for granted. Dickinson does this in a lot of her poems. She always writes poems that have an inspiring message at the end of it. In her poem, she's always encouraging people to notice all miracles, big and small, that they might take for granted in their daily lives. That's why she's one of my favorite poets. Same here. Retweet. So overall, what do you guys think that her purpose for writing these pieces were? I think her purpose was to put her audience into perspective that life is never gonna be easy, but it is what we make it. I totally agree. She puts an enter entertaining sense into her poems, making it easier to read as well understand. She advocates her point of view in a positive light as we should learn to appreciate what we have. Definitely. In regards to connecting the pieces together, we should learn to appreciate what we have, including our failures. Without failure in our life, we would not be able to acknowledge our successes, lacking the search for true happiness. That makes sense. So if this was the central idea for both pieces, her life must have had something to do with her purpose. She spent so many years in isolation, so this must have been a way to cope if she was feeling lonely. I had such a similar thought, Sarah. It's almost like she was writing to convince herself the positive lifestyle that she had dreamed of having but didn't. So ultimately, what did you guys <clears throat> learn from Emily about Emily from her poems? H-Check, want to start? For sure. So I just wanted to point out that her paradox in the first <clears throat> two lines of success is kind of sweetest. Success is kind of sweetest by those who near succeed is when the overall theme is found. Without failure, failure, you lack the understanding of the true meaning of success. She uses this metaphor of the battle to her own perspective on life. The soldier in the third stanza has been defeated, dying, and in distance hears triumph. This is when the soldier understands victory. He hears the en enemy celebrating as he is dying. It seems she uses the story of a defeated soldier 
in comparison to something she has experienced. When reading this poem, it brings you to a deeper question. Why is it always something we can never have that are the most important to us? Which then led me to question what lacked in Dickinson's life that she felt she was at a loss and dead end. After reading these poems, then researching her history, I came to realize that she may feel a sense of inconclusiveness in her life as she incorporates in many of her poems. She does this often in her poems. You don't even realize that the overall theme is literally right at the beginning of her poems. She also does this in Water is Taught by Thirst. You don't even realize how deep that first line goes. There are so many more sentimental layers in one sentence of a poem by Dickinson than other poets could write in an entire poem, which is why Dickinson is just so special. Another sentimental meaning is in the poem, Success is Counted Sweetest. It says, to comprehend a nectar requires sore sleep. Throughout Greek mythology, nectar was known as the drink of the gods. Nectar was used regularly to give one a pick-me-up when in need. In this line of the poem, Dickinson is saying that in order to truly be successful, you have to understand how it feels to fail. This also establishes the overall theme of the poem, which is that the ones who generally understand the meaning of success are the ones who have failed once already. I totally agree with all of you, but personally I found the sixth line of Water is Taught by Thirst very interesting. All it says is, Love by Memorial Mount. I found this interesting because it ties back into her belief system. We know Dickinson's poems were inspired by the Bible and the Christian faith in general, so this shows that we can easily forget the miracles and inner workings of the world. Humans perceive color while other creatures are stuck seeing black and white reality, yet by some crude sense of entitlement, we only miss color when there isn't any to be seen. Emily Dickinson really does emphasize the concept of enjoying what we do have and not stressing about what we don't. Those are all really good points, but it puts you into perspective of how she impacts today's society. Her work is so honorable and she always keeps it acoustic and straight to the point. Have you guys heard about her stereotypes? People claim her to be dark and even creepy due to her reclusiveness, but honestly, I think her writing style is unique compared to her life as well as others. I agree. According to Emily Dickinson, museum.org, her comments about publication tend to be negative, yet she boasts no severe objections to the inclusion of a few of her poems in the newspaper. So it's almost as if she chose to be secluded from society. Maybe she didn't write to entertain others. She only write in the sense that influenced her own thoughts and perspectives. That's a really good point, Sarah. And I also found that her stereotype is working <coughs> on being proven false. There are many novels such as Envelope Poems and The Gorgeous Nothing, which I read that go into detail of her expressionism and passion for writing. Another source of learning who Dickinson truly is is the Morgan Library and Museum in New York. It holds many of the rare things like her original writings, pictures, paintings that really go into depth about her lifestyle. Well, it's about time to wrap things up. Huge shout out to poets.org, lifehack.org, emilydickinsonmuseum.org, themorgan.org, and thepoetryfoundation.org for providing us with these awesome facts. It's a lot of .orgs. Yeah, seriously. And I thought I knew a lot about Dickinson, but I learned so much more from checking out these .orgs. She lives such an interesting life. <laughs> I love everything she stands for. She is easily my favorite poet. Same here. That's all for today, everyone. See you guys next time on the Dickinson channel. Bye, guys.